Me and my friends do sinister things And that's because we're cynical beings And we're living in a house and we're chilling upstairs And we're doing a podcast Impaired Welcome back everyone to the Impaired Upstairs podcast With Brady, Ryan, and Cody So Ryan, what are we talking about today? We got a whole shebang of things to talk about tonight Um how, how, a smorgasbord, you might say. You might say a smorgasbord. You might say a whole array of topics. Um, you might say a whole, a whole lot of, a whole lot of topics. Thanks Several, for that contribution, <laughs> Cody. A high, a large quantity of topics to talk about this evening. Um, but one topic that I want to start with is, is Brady. How are you feeling tonight? Oh, I am so good because you know why, Ryan. You want to want to know why, Cody? Yeah, why? Because it's finally. February. Finally, Finally February. February. Wow, that was great. You could, wow, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, so what's, what's so good about February? Well, what's so good about February is the fact that it's not January. And not that January in general is necessarily that bad of a month, but I was doing dry January. And so, unfortunately, I couldn't be impaired upstairs with y'all, you know? So that was a real downer. Well, you were certainly upstairs, but you know, not the, impaired. The first part, right? Yeah. Um. So I guess I was just, you know, trying to stay sober for the month of January, just to see if I could do it. Try and take a little tea break from alcohol, and uh, yeah, yeah. So now here I am, back upstairs with you guys, and now just a tinge impaired. How were the stages of that? I mean, like, um, did it? Did it go easier over time? Did it get harder? Was it tempting at times? Oh, it was definitely tempting, especially for the first like couple weeks. Um, for for some reason, it got for me personally, it got a little bit easier over time. I don't know. I don't know why. You would think that it would get harder over time, um, but I don't know. I just kind of like I, initially, I had that craving, and then that craving just kind of went away. Um, so by the end, I was like, you know, it's uh last day of January. I could go for a beer, but like, eh, whatever. Like, it's Sunday. I got to work tomorrow. You know, like, mm, eh, it'll be there fine. Go. Good self-control. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, it got a little bit easier over time. And uh, overall, it wasn't too challenging, but I think that's good. Means I wasn't like, you know, actually addicted. So, <laughs> right, because cause down the road you might have to like stop drinking for a reason, you know, or you know, if you for for some kind of reason, like if you if you were gonna have a kid or something, you'd like you know. Oh yeah, like I wouldn't want to be like uh, getting tipsy every night when I have a little baby running around the house, or like uh, if uh, you know I get married someday and my wife's pregnant, and it it might be nice as a sign of solidarity to not drink with her while she's. Uh, well, she's pregnant, you know. Hopefully not with her. My wife is going to hate me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, your poor future wife. So that's right. We are literally 50% more impaired this podcast. Right. 33%? You know, three over two. That's uh, 50% more. 50%. Oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we were talking earlier, like if we add... If we end up with a guest and we get that guest upstairs and also impaired with us, then it would be four over three, and that would be thirty-three percent more impaired. That would yeah. be true. Yeah. So uh, 
we'll get we'll get that guest going and then we'll be we'll just be even more upstairs and even more impaired. Absolutely. So what else do we have to talk about today? Okay, so on on the list of on the list of things we can talk about today, um, what I realized is in our first episode, um, not the precast, but our first episode, uh, Seattle Freeze last week's. Yeah. Um, we we just kind of dove right in. We didn't go much over about ourselves, and because um, uh, yeah, we are three people here, you know, human beings behind these these nice microphones in this upstairs room. Um, and I figured that we might um, you know, we're not going to dwell on it too bad, but we can go over some of our. You know, some more personal details and um, things that make us unique, um, yeah. all, all three of your hosts here. Um, so what I want to ask you guys is, is, like, what do you do? Like, do you just not have live or, or do you have hobbies? Uh, yeah. Why the long pause? Oh, Cody, you go for it. Hit so us up. I am uh, an EMT for a private ambulance company and a reservist in the Marine Corps. Um. Yeah, that's that's what I do during the day. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you any, do you do anything for fun? What do you do outside of work on those long ninety six hours off? Oh, that's right. I am also a podcaster. Uh, on Tuesday nights. Yeah. Nice. And a gamer. By night. Heck yeah. Hey. Uh. So yeah, games. Uh, like to read books. I like um. You know, a a wide variety of things. You know, we'd... do you have a favorite book series? Um, Ooh, I wonder my, if he does. My favorite book series is the Night Angel trilogy by Brent Weeks. You know, it's a good uh, fantasy fantasy series. Follows like the the heroes uh, the hero's journey and everything. Um, like a lot of very successful books. That one's get that one gets a little bit graphic, yeah. Is yeah, that that's pretty. That's pretty a intense. Very dark fantasy book. Gotcha. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. Um, is that like Percy Jackson? I I just remember reading that in like so, elementary school. So the premise of the book is that there are uh, assassins that use magic, okay, and they are called uh, wet boys, and they they. Uh, go out and kill people with magic that like normal assassins without magic wouldn't be able to do. So. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it delves a lot into the characters and everything. There's a lot of character development, uh, story building, world building. So it's a good read. Okay. Well, I'm going to jump in here and, uh, yeah, what, tell y'all what, what do you have myself. to say, Brady? Uh, I'm an analytical chemist. Um, I do, uh, research, kind of a little bit of analysis of chemical things and I'm not going to really get into it too much because you know privacy reasons uh yeah um and uh in my off time well lately I've been working on a website for the podcast oh, yeah. and recording every Tuesday and you know just doing all the other obligations that people have to do outside of work um visiting my girlfriend every once in a while you know she's a couple hours away so when we see each other it's you know a few days at a time rather than just like oh hey let's spend a couple hours tonight you know um yeah yeah so that's uh that's me Ryan well I just wanted to say you? you've definitely been putting a lot of time into developing the podcast and like that's that's been like a lot of time, a lot of time lately into making this whole this whole thing work. Yeah, thanks. And all, all the nitty gritty. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the website is looking really, really sweet. I'm really liking the layout. We got to change that cover picture of that dude. Yeah, I want to put the logo there. So uh, we got to work on. We got to uh, we got to work on that part. I need yeah, to, I need to make some uh, for our listeners in the future. Right now, we just have the uh, the stock photo that it comes with on on the cover page. It's a dude on a beach. We don't know who that dude is. He's kind of balding, no. I think. For some reason, people think it kind of looks like me, but nope, not me. No, I think the guy's hair is too curly. Yeah. And no. he's not as strikingly handsome. No, not at all. Not I'm even much close. more handsome than that schmuck. Does <laughs> he even have a beard? I don't think no, so. No, he doesn't. He and doesn't. if he does, it's weak in comparison to Brady's. Yeah. Almost stubble, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, what what do you do? Um. Well... Um, what I've noticed with you guys is that you just I uh, talk about like a hobby, something you like doing, and you just talk about work, which is not a bad way to be. Um, that means that you enjoy what you do. And um, I pretty much work like all the time, um, but I'm currently self-employed, so it's, it's, it's kind of a cool deal. I mean, I, I do what I like doing. I, um, I build a lot of performance engines for different applications. Um, I build a lot of performance chainsaw engines for like professional arborist and logger guys. It's like a pretty cool market around here. It's, it's not everywhere in the world. Um, but it's, it's really fun cause it's stuff, you know, it's engineering type stuff that I like doing. It's super challenging. And, um, like, you know, every, every job is different and there's like different circumstances and it's very, lots of mathematical stuff, lots of engineering stuff. So when you say you're, you're like building these engines, are you, what do you mean by that? Um, so I'm not like, I'm not redesigning the engine, but, uh, you, you know, you, they, they build these chainsaw engines and this is like with any car, you know, you, or any car engine or like truck engine or anything you know they build the engine from the factory and they engineer it a certain way um and they make it you know something that's reliable that's going to last a long time that um meets emission standards um isn't crazy powerful but you know has has good power you know for for what it is and um what you can do is you can kind of optimize things you can you can change different variables and like aspects of how the engine works um i.e like port timing ignition timing uh port sizes if it was a four-stroke engine you could change like valves and stuff and um if you go in and you change a whole bunch of different things and kind of optimize it for performance uh you get like a you get a huge increase by the time you're all done and a lot of times they actually will run longer because they're more efficient they get rid of heat better and um, it's 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 basically just optimizing engines. Um, I'm not actually building them like from scratch, but I'm usually taking the engine completely apart and like replacing all the bearings and seals and like the cylinder components and uh, making it all new again. And then I can like hand it to a customer guy and like shake his hand and say, "Hey, you can go make money with this, and it's gonna you're gonna increase productivity. It's gonna be really fun to run because it's gonna rip. And um, you know you're you're all dialed in. You're all good to go. So, so that's what I enjoy about it. Um, I'm also just kind of a farm boy, so I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of fixing of things like around our property that doesn't pertain to making money all the time, but, uh, it's, it's good and it, it keeps me really, really occupied and it keeps me off the streets, which is the best part. Yeah. I, I noticed last time that you were on the shop, you were working on some sort of like s- sledded saw. Is that what that was? was a what? I don't know. It was, it was, uh, like a sled and it had spikes on the ends Oh yeah, that was a that's a 1920s uh, Multnomah drag saw, um, which is the Multnomah is the brand. There were different brands that made this drag saw, but it literally engineered in like the early 1900s, um, very like caveman engine technology, wow. like hilariously clunky, um, under engineered, and uh, basically it's like a it's like a huge engine and it runs this big like this big like huge saw blade, like not even a chain. 
it's like this huge saw blade and it has this big pivoting arm and it like it it runs this blade the whole thing you have to have like two guys to move it and that was how they cut logs and like produced you know timber and like logs back in the uh the, the olden days but we had it sitting around and my dad wanted to rebuild it so we we tore it all down and you know it's, it's going back together right now but he's a nice it's kind of a group effort and i'm i got my own stuff he's got his own stuff so it's on the on the back burner so it's going to be usable again it'll run um we're going to leave the old patina on it you know make it we're not going to like completely restore it and paint it like a lot of guys do we're going to leave it kind of old and crusty looking right and um but it's going to work and it's going to you know we can fire it up every once in a while and like cut a piece of wood but it's more of just something to do something to keep us busy how how did you learn how to do all this stuff um man uh, I started where I got into engines. I was, I was probably the first time I ever actually worked on one. I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, earlier than that, I was working. I was like working on my dad's chainsaw stuff, but it was a, uh, it was very basic stuff. It wasn't like anything in, in depth or involved that not just anyone could do. Um, but but motorcycles are what really got me into it. I bought like a few crappy bikes, you know, dirt bikes, mm-hmm. and um, no one else was gonna help me make it run except for myself. And uh, we live in a really great time where we have the internet as a resource. And um, internet taught me a lot. YouTube taught me a lot. Um, it's a cool time to, you know, otherwise you'd be going to the library and trying to find a book or trying to find a guy. And whether that guy's going to give you his time of day to, like, show you how stuff works is in question. Um, but it all stemmed from motorcycle engines because, you know, I wanted to... I bought a dirt bike and it wouldn't run and I wanted to ride it. So no one else is going to fix it but me. And if it's already broken, you got nothing to lose by trying to tear it apart and fix it. It's already not working. So um, it all kind of went downhill from there. And then I got a few jobs. D- downhill. I Down. mean, it seems like you're you're making something into it now. So. Yo, yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, downhill, or uphill. Downhill uh, rolls a lot smoother though. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um. But no. And then I got like a few different jobs that pertain to it, and I just like learned a lot. And um, that's what I do now. It's not like the best paying thing ever, but um. As of right this very moment, um, before this new venture that I have going on, uh, I employ myself and I can work when I want. And I can work when I don't have to work when I don't want to. And uh, it's really, really cool. And um, it all adds up. It, it's kind of a cool thing. It's really cool being a problem solver for people. Um, when, you know, you're like someone's chainsaw guy and like you know all the stuff that they don't know. And um, it's, it's a cool customer relations thing. Yeah. Right on. That's super cool. Yeah. So, Brady, I have a question for you. Shoot. You mentioned that uh, your girlfriend lives pretty far away. Yeah, a couple hours, two and a half. So how do you deal with, like, the long distance of that? and uh, Or not even just the long distance, but even, um, you know, being away from home or being away from your loved ones. How, how, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, that's kind of tough. It's like, it, in I guess... It's a lot. It's a lot easier than it was uh, when I was in college, for example. So I guess in some ways I'm kind of used to it. Um, like back when I was in college, um, going to the University of Washington, and then my family is all over on the peninsula. Um, so in a lot of ways, it felt like I was kind of in two places at once, where uh, I would be going to school during the week and then every other weekend or so I'd be coming back home and like, you know, uh, seeing my family and um, seeing younger siblings and trying to, um, 
trying to keep a relationship built there, you know? Right. Because relationships are something that you have to keep up. You can't just, like... Yeah, they got to stay maintained. Right. If you... People people change a lot more quickly, especially, like, when we're young, um, than we're given credit for, I think. Um, and so, you know, you can't just not see your siblings for four years and then... Well, I guess I graduated in three years, not to brag, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, smarty pants. yeah, um, but, uh, you know, if you have a, uh, an eight year old sibling and you are gone for three years and then you come back and now they're 11, uh, it's going to be That's rough, right. They're going to be a completely different person and you're not really going to know who they are. And so for me personally, I really wanted to stay on top of that and like make sure that I was there for my siblings and like um didn't miss out on a whole lot. Um yeah, and so I guess that's really what drove me to come back to the area. Um and yeah, just so I could I could I obviously I still wanted to have a good job and I get very very fortunate. Um to be working where I'm working now because it's really one of the only science labs in the area. Um, uh, especially one of the only science labs of its character, of its, uh, yeah, it's probably definitely the best lab in the area. Like prestigious. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I guess I was pretty driven. Like I knew what I wanted and I think I don't, I don't know this is necessarily true, but in my experience, if you build a good relationship with people, um, so I was able to, I was able to start where I'm working right now as an intern. Um, and that was kind of my end, you know? And I think almost like I'm a good worker. I think obviously you'd have to ask my, uh, coworkers, but, um, I think almost more important than being being a good worker was building good relationships with my coworkers, and that's something that I've really realized um, as I started working, moving out of college. That like building good relationships is almost as important, if not more important, than the actual work you perform in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, so I guess I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but yeah. I would say you're a good worker. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, like, like you were saying earlier, you know, putting in hours, getting the podcast moving, and definitely uh, put definitely putting in a good chunk of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, how about you, Ryan? Um, on like the the distance thing, yeah, you know, being away from home. Yeah. Um, so the the longest I've been away from home really was uh, when I went to when I went to tech school for machining, and uh, programming of stuff, which was uh, it was only a year, and but it, it was only a year and we had like a lot of breaks. So I was kind of at home all the time. And then I, I had a medical leave cause I broke my knee. So then I was back for like a month and then I externed at like for the last month. So I was only gone for like nine or 10 months out of the, out of the whole 12 month um, class. And um, at, at first I was like really, really, and when I first got over there, it was just such like, you know, I've only ever lived here. And um, like with my family, we've never, we never really like went out and did crazy things. We we're always kind of like around here. And when I moved over there, I was like, whoa, this is like a crazy culture shock. Um, you know, living on the peninsula, you know, you have mountains and trees and an ocean and like all this stuff to look at, all these things to do. 
And uh, I moved over there and it's like kind of a desert, you know, Yakima and Tri-Cities area is, um, it's, there's not, you know, there's stuff going on, but there's not quite as much going on. But what I found out really quick is that um, communities and people over there are a lot different. Um, it almost feels like over there, ev people are just different. They're different than they are here. And um, I really quickly, like, within a couple weeks of school, made friends with, like, everyone in my class and some of the other people in the other quarters and other other um, other units, I guess, that the school offered, like, other, other separate classes other than machining, like, instrumentation and, like, auto tech classes. And I, I met all these people, and I was like, man, I and I just grew into it. And it was probably one of the best years of my life, um, looking back on it. But at first, it was really a hard thing to be away from everyone that I knew and basically dropped into this whole new environment. Um, but it's all kind of what you make of it. And um, now, looking back, um, I might have like this like this new job soon that takes place over there. And I like can't wait to go back, just because I know so many cool people over there that you know I was in a class with all these guys with the same interest as me so um like made a lot of good friends and uh it's i don't know it was it was rough at first but you know looking back on it it was it was really really good for me to kind of get out of this area and this this bubble that i had kind of grew up in and um it ended up being a really really good good thing for me um so yeah i mean that's that's about as much detail as i'll go into um cody you went to boot camp yeah, so uh, I went to boot camp in San Diego, and um, when was that? That was in November of 2017. That so was that was right out of high school. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple months out of high school. Um, I was in college at the time, and then ended up dropping out to to ship out to boot camp. Uh, so I I left and did my three months and I got injured along the way and had to spend another uh, three months in in boot camp there and uh, that was pretty hard you know spending six months away from home um, minimal contact it's like only letters and uh, phone calls on the weekends when I after I got injured it was phone calls on the weekends um yeah it, it was it was pretty difficult i think part of it like brought me closer to my family in a way because uh they didn't have to put up with all my bs <laughs> at <laughs> home mm, uh, yeah <laughs> but uh you know it was it was really hard for me and it was really hard for my family uh and then after that went to uh camp pendleton for one month and then 29 Palms, California, which if you're familiar with 29 Palms, it's uh, in the middle of the uh, Mojave Desert. 29 stumps, affectionately. Yeah, there's uh, there are not 29 palm trees in, in 29 Palms, California. A lot of rocks and sand and dirt yeah. and heat waves and yeah. pain. I think, I think the hottest it got when I was there was, was uh, 150 maybe 118 Ouch. It, it got really hot um i was there for another let's see six seven three months so uh, i spent a total of 10 months away from home uh i did you know i had a couple leave days in there 10 10 days of uh it's called boot leave so after you graduate boot camp you go home for 10 days and then you go back to um 
go back to Pendleton for combat training. And then uh, I took four days of leave when I was in 29 Palms and came home for, for four days. It's it's tough. Um, so we have a pretty strong you know, family history uh, in the town that we grew up in and that we live in. Uh, so it, you know, it was just a culture shock to be away from that. And, um, you know, right now I live on a, on a road that was named after one of my ancestors and uh, there's none of that when you're in, uh, in San Diego. I didn't know that. I also live on that road. Yeah. Um, so something I'm curious if you guys, uh, ever kind of experienced what I experienced um did you how how did you feel about I guess what I experienced is that um I was almost in like two places at once yeah yeah I tell you all about that yeah so it felt like I was split and I think that was almost harder like if I would have just gone off to college and um like fully embraced it then then i guess the experience may have been a little bit different but like knowing that it wasn't really where i wanted to be um that almost made it harder for me so do you do, do you guys have a similar experience or was it did you not have that feeling as strongly uh not for me and in like during my active training and everything because I knew that I was coming home eventually and it wasn't going to be multiple years or, or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of always felt like anchored to where I was at and then I would just move on when I moved on. Uh, but now that I'm on like 24 hour shifts, uh, as an EMT, it is, I've been kind of feeling that way and I, I love my job and everything, but I have like a room that I uh, is like my own personal room and everything, and I have the crew that I live with and everything. Uh, so it, it does kind of feel kind of feel that way for me, uh, being you know away from home for two or three days out of the week. Ryan, you were saying that that's how you felt. Do, do you want to expand on that at all? I do. Um, college was very much like that for me, um, and as is a big chunk of my life with like parents being separated that kind of that like stems into that big time and it's like a stressful thing um but when i was in college i we had like basically our school week was like it was like working four tens we had four really long school days and then we had a three-day weekend every weekend oh gotcha so it was kind of nice and um when i i had a place that i stayed at in yakima which is Mm -hmm. where the actual college was and then I had all of my stuff at my uncle's place, which was in Tri-Cities. It's like an hour and 15 minutes away. So every weekend, I would make that drive between them. Um, and I would never stay in Yakima any longer than I had to. It was like, get there as late as I can on Sunday, go to school, leave right after school. Like, like uh, my truck had like a full fuel tank. I was like ready to go back. Um, as soon as the school week was over, I had no reason to be in Yakima. But I had uh, all my stuff over in Tri-Cities. So I was always... Like I lived with like a, like a laundry basket in the back of my truck with like all my stuff. And it was always like, all right, get back here and get settled for like three days, work on stuff, like make, you know, do what I do. And then, uh, and then go back to school and like 
just get through the week and then like look forward to coming back. And it was really rough. And then, and then that it wasn't really rough, but it was, it was not, you get really disorganized. I feel when you have, Mm -hmm. when you have multiple kind of home bases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're always taking stuff back and forth and it adds extra stress versus just having one home base. And then on top of that, I was going back home every few weeks or every, you know, I was going back home like once every couple months or so. And then I had like a, like, like my medical leave was like a month back home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was really split up and it was, it was a little stressful. It was, see, like with, with you, Brady, you, you had like a dorm probably. Right. Yeah. So you had like that one place you stayed on campus and then mm-hmm. you would, and then you would go home every couple weeks. Um, but I had like two places that I stayed and I would come home, uh, which is not a big deal. And it all kind of worked out, but it was, it was not super awesome. It's uh it's nice to just have like one good home base or like, you know, maybe two, but when you're, when you're split up on multiple areas, you're like, Oh, what did I like? Oh, I forgot something like, Oh, what do I need to like for this trip back to Yakima tonight? Like, Oh, what do I need to bring for school? What do I need to bring back? And it gets a little annoying. It's not, it's not very, it's not good. Yeah. You almost feel like a vagabond or something, you know, like you, yeah, you feel like a nomad, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have to like, on, on some degree, you're like, when it's that short of a time period, you're always, you're almost always thinking about like packing up for the next time you have to That's leave. what it always was. Is like, it's like, I was always packing up all the time and it was like a psychological, like, ah, I can't wait for this to be over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just, just sucked. And then, uh, and then it was all over and I'm like, oh, well that was really fun. I want to be, I want to be back with my, all my boys over in TC over in Tri-Cities area. And, um, but it's all good because like I'm still really good friends with all of them and um we're all just in different places now. It all worked out and it was a good time really in the end it was a really good time. Yeah, right on. I'm glad that you were able to make a good ex- good experience out of it. I hope that I hope that you did too. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I met some really good Plus people. Plus with that and... many years to like meet all these people and develop all these different relationships with people and you know meet all these friends. Is it does that change things or or is it just kind of get like stale? Yeah, well, I because a year seemed like a long time, and right. I couldn't think about four years. I didn't. I don't think I took as much advantage of it. Or three, as three, I, my bad. Yeah, no worries. Um, I don't think I took as much advantage of it as I could have. Um, I definitely met some friends while I was there. Um, but I, I kind of struggled with like, okay, I know this is temporary. And so I didn't want to, yeah. I, I didn't want to like reach out too much because I knew like, okay, well, I'm, I'm probably in some regard, probably never going to really see these people again. Um, and actually one of the uh, really strange twist of fate, um, somebody that I never even really interacted with that much um while I was in college and I st- I don't talk to him that much now but he ended up being one of the only people that I really ever talked to from college so you know it's kind of interesting how that has worked out but like um yeah I th- I didn't I didn't take as good advantage of it as I should have because like I'm learning I guess I'm learning now that like connections are super important um but at the time I was like ah whatever I can deal with it um, and also I think the, you know, like l- last episode we were talking about the Seattle freeze. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in full effect because I was in the city of Seattle. Um, and so, yeah, I, I found it really easy 
to just like, eh, uh, I don't know. I don't want to go out to these like social gatherings and maybe meet people, maybe not. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I get what you say with the whole like, oh, well, this is temporary anyway thing. Right. Yeah. That That's kind of how I felt about it. That got in my way a bunch. Um, I was like, well, it's like I'm going to be moving. You know, I live my home is six hours away. Right. From, yeah. from here or a little bit less. But it's like, it's like, oh, why bother? But, you know, if I, there are certain like things that if I would have jumped on and I would have like met these people, it probably would have been good for me. Right. Yeah. But you have that thing in the back of your mind where it's like, it's like, ah, uh, kind of why bother? Because it's, it is temporary in the end. But, um, you know, it's usually you're more likely to regret not making a connection than making a connection. Uh huh. Cause you, right. you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to follow through with it long term. But if you never made it, then it was never there. Right. And it's kind of, it's kind of just a rough part of being a social creature. Yeah. And I, I don't want to get into this too much, but um, for a while there, I had kind of a jealous ex-girlfriend. Well, she oh. was she was uh, my girlfriend at the time, now an ex-girlfriend. Um, but that definitely didn't help either because it was like, like uh, you know, going out, being with people. If I didn't reply soon enough, she was like, dude, where are you? Like, what's going on? What's happening? And so that was less than healthy, I suppose. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely grew a lot looking back on that. Like, I realized a lot of stuff um, coming out of it. So, you know, live and learn. Good. Yeah, totally live and learn. That's that's part of the whole, that's part of the fun. We only have a limited time on this planet to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's, you, you gotta, you kind of, sometimes you have to learn yourself. Like no one can teach you the rules. You have to just figure them out yourself. Yeah. And they say it's, you know, best to learn from your mistakes. So, we'll, you know, that's yeah, in there. They're a good teacher. It's also good to learn from others' mistakes though. And like learn from history. So that way you don't have to repeat the, repeat mistakes that others have made for you. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, the human condition, I suppose. Yeah, Cody, what do you what do you have in there? Uh, tonight's podcast is brought to you by. Well, not actually, but not actually. maybe someday. Yep. If you want to sponsor us, Top Cutter by Bailbreaker, which is located in in Yakima. In Yakima, it wasn't any cheaper there, but and there was there was a lot of it in every store, and it was very good. And uh, right now, I just cracked open a Tropic Haze India Pale Ale by Silver City Brewery, which is located in. Silverdale. 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 Yeah. Silver City. Silverdale, Washington on the Olympic Peninsula, just an hour east of us. Yeah, yeah. they technically are on the peninsula, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely on the peninsula. Yeah. We're all kind of IPA boys. Yeah. Yeah. My family pictures me crap for it sometimes. They're like, You like that bitter stuff? And I'm like, Yeah, of course. It's delicious. But Good. Uh, it's filling. <laughs> filling and it's also like I find it very refreshing. Like so there's something about bitterness that I find refreshing and uh, not everybody can say the same, but I don't know. It uh it took me a while to like really find the first IPA to get me into it. But once I did it was like, Oh yeah, here we go. Y'all a bunch of hipsters Hey, Cody, will you hand me one of those, please? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I kind of am a hipster. I like the older I get, the more of a hipster I turn into. And I was trying to deny it for a really long time, and I was like, Ah, okay. Like, oh, I kind of am. I don't know. What do you guys think? I would have never called you one, but now that you mention it, uh, it does kind of make sense. 
um like you know your your music tastes kind of yeah like 90s indie rock yeah yeah grunge the beard you don't wear very many flannels right that's what i'm missing that's what i'm missing but i do wear boots like i've got brown boots and i used to wear tighter jeans but now i've moved more towards the straight cut jeans so you know i'm i'm trying like a to working man yeah exactly i'm trying to move away from H- hipsterville but you know what can you do i started researching pipes recently um, oh yeah i was giving you guys a little rundown on the the pipe we have sitting on the shelf over here um so for like uh crack is that no 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 for meth no 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 tobacco smoking pipes tobacco smoking pipes quote unquote tobacco yeah and i so i won't get into it but there's like all sorts of stuff that is really fascinating about pipes and there's different materials and different shapes and like uh it's kind of interesting but um yeah so you could say i'm kind of a hipster i'm getting there and back to alcohol real quick if you're listening in make sure you drink responsibly uh, especially if you're in my response area. I don't want to have to come pick you up off the sidewalk in the middle of the night. Oh, man. Wait, can you share that one story about that one patient that... Oh, which one? Oh, no. <laughs> well, the one that was, like, biting you. Oh. Maybe uh, I, maybe I uh, gave yeah, it so, away, but... So kind of a, kind of a you know, there's a, I'd say, about 40-year-old woman uh, who had a half-empty bottle of Sky Vodka... Um, at must have been one p.m. Yeah. Oh, one p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on like one in the afternoon day. on a weekday. On a weekday. Um, walking through town, and she ended up trying to kick the cops when they had her handcuffed, and um, they uh, well, they didn't like that very much, to to say the least. So they gave her to you. Well, yeah, so she she needed to go to the hospital to be evaluated and everything. Sure, yeah. Because uh, there's no telling if it really is the alcohol that was making her act that way. Right. Um, but, yeah, she she tried biting us. She tried spitting on us. Uh, so we we put a mask on her and everything. And, um, yeah, she was, she was very apologetic when we almost got to the hospital. And then, you know, kind of kind of changed changed moods. Uh, pretty quickly from that though, and tried biting us again. Oh, but man. even when she, uh, you know, even after she tried biting us and spitting on us, she was getting sick, riding in the back of the ambulance, and I held her hair for her when she, uh, when she had yeah. to vomit. Oh, wow! So sweet of you. Thank you. I, I so did they did they leave the handcuffs on her while she was in the ambulance or did you have different restraints? Right, we we had different restraints. We're not allowed to transport with handcuffs. Oh, interesting. I didn't know huh. that. Yeah, yeah. Un- unless the uh, the cop comes with us. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, because then you'd have to have like a handcuff the key. key. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. can see how that would be a liability. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Some people can't hang. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Um, do you know how, uh, cops carry their keys? Like, I, I have no idea. Do they have, like, a little key ring or something? Like, an old-timey jailer that, like, they, they're they walking around and <laughs> yeah. the keys are, like, jangling. And they go four-inch diameter key ring. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Something you would see out now of a movie. To be honest with you, out of all the people that I've seen who have been handcuffed and unhandcuffed and everything... Wait, it, I, wait, this is a common occurrence? I mean, I, you know, we, we go to, like, if... If there's um, a police chase and they end up putting the vehicle in a ditch, then 
The person needs to be evaluated. How often is this happening? Uh, it's happened a couple times. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and you've been an EMT for six months? Well, you see, I've been a f- uh, first responder for two years. I've been an EMT for one year, and I've been an employed EMT for six months. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, um, this is just my experience encapsulating everything. Uh, but going back onto the handcuff keys, I have never really paid attention to how they carry their keys. I think it's on, it is like on like a like belt a loop chain? or, yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I'm not, not positive. But. Interesting. Okay, the next time you get a call like that, you're going to have to report back and let us I, know. I will, I will. I'm sure it's just. I'm sure it's just like on their next to their like police interceptor key. Yeah, you'd think there's some sort of like. I don't they know. leave those in the rig. They they leave their cars running all the time. Oh, they do. That seems sketchy to me. But I guess if you try and steal a cop car, like you've got bigger problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be easy pickings, though. You know what I mean. Well, <laughs> could be. You know, <laughs> recent- they're all armed. They're all usually well trained too. Yeah. Recently, I heard about a, a fire engine being stolen. Really? Where was that at? Over, uh, like uh, Mount Baker, Snoqualmie. Out of the, it was a, uh, it was a uh, forestry fire engine, oh, and they okay. they stole the entire like green engine. Wow. Yeah, I was like, "What are you gonna do?" Why? With that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and apparently, it's it has Spray not, some water on some things. It, it hasn't been located yet. Apparently, wow, that's incredibly dangerous. Uh, a lot of those engines can can carry like a thousand gallons of water. Yeah, sure. Uh, on top of all the steel and everything that they're made out of, that's that's a very heavy, heavy vehicle. Right. Apparently, it was like a dark at night kind of thing, like. They got in there somehow, loaded up, and rolled on out. I don't know. Wild. Interesting. Gone in 60 I wonder, seconds. I wonder if it was someone that previously uh, had like some experience. Like an inside job. Well, maybe not an inside job. But or yeah. just someone that knew how to run a, how to, how to drive an engine. Because sure. they are not, you know. They're not, not like a, turnkey. It's not exactly like driving a car. Yeah. Um, now, have you ever driven an engine? Not yet. No. Okay. Nope. Uh, I am ambulance certified. Haven't been engine certified yet. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Ambulances are pretty relatively like a vehicle, though, aren't they? Yeah. It's like a... Because they're usually like a Ford chassis. It's still turnkey. There's just more stuff going on. Yeah. Big, um, you know, big box on the back. Um, Some alliteration there. That was nice. That was nice. Big (laughs) box on the back. (laughs) Uh, And and a lot of switches on on, on our switch panel. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much just like driving a car, though. I, you don't you don't need to know what all the switches do to turn it on and drive it away. And, and it, it's an automatic. Yes, unfortunately. Oh, uh, unfortunately. Although, fortunately for for my job. Yeah, but. you want to do burnouts in an ambulance? Right. That would be awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that for I mean, it'd be kind of rough if they were all manuals because sometimes it's more efficient and you can get to where you need to be faster with an automatic. In an automatic, yeah. Uh. Going up hills can be a struggle. I wish I could like downshift to get up hills though. That's... Click that overdrive off. I I don't know if there's an overdrive on our rigs. Oh, I don't know. There there might be. Yeah. I um I follow a guy on well he has his own website, but I follow him on YouTube. He's a he's a specialist on uh Ford Power Stroke diesel engines, like what's in my truck. 
and uh, his name is Bill Hewitt, and he has a shop down in uh, Georgia, and he specializes in like ambulance stuff. Okay. And um, so he actually got into he got really really good at those with those truck engines, um, back in the early two thousands when the Ford six liter came out, which is like a notoriously like oh it blows head gaskets, and um, there were actually lawsuits against Ford because people were dying in ambulances because the engines would like blow oh, a head gasket geez. and leave them on the side of the road. So he um he got employed to like figure out all the problems that there were with the engine from the factory and fix all them, and he he gained like this huge following through as he calls it the ambulance industry. And he would like he would fix these ambulances and like ship them overseas, and he was like this really big wig guy down down there, on getting those to work right because they have to be very reliable, like they have to be right <laughs> right. And a lot of these ambulances are running like four hundred. 500,000 miles on oh, them. Wow. Uh, I know I just took a picture of, of our miles. We hit 420,420 miles. Nice. Yep, got a picture of it. That's amazing. D- didn't you say that you had an ambulance breakdown once too? That seems like not a great experience. Uh, You know, I, I don't know. That was like some sort of, of weird electrical issue because it, it uh, kind of fixed itself. Um. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we're actually moving away from diesel and into gasoline because it's it is a lot cheaper to repair. True, very true. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I love our diesel rigs, but but they. I've are... heard diesel rigs are, yeah. are diesels a little bit more reliable over time. Like they last a little bit longer. Diesel, the thing about diesel engines versus gasoline engines is that it takes a lot more money and engineering and research to build a diesel engine. Um, for example, all of those like those uh, those Ford diesel engines are actually built by International, which is like a tractor company. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for example, like in Dodge, there's that song like "I'm an International Harvester." Harvester. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Yeah, um, International builds those engines, and they've built good ones and bad ones. But it takes a lot more R and D and a lot more like to build a diesel engine. Everything has to be really big and really strong because they're ultra super high compression. Oh, yeah. Whereas you can put R and D into building a gasoline engine for a lot less money, and that's why there are like there are like Soviet um, gasoline cars that are like garbage quality, but they still run huh. because it takes a lot less effort to build a gasoline engine. You don't have to have such good components. Gotcha. Or with a diesel engine, they're so they run so hot and they make so much torque. You have to have really quality components to make them last a long time, and that's why they usually do last longer. Is because everything is just so much better I see. and so much tighter tolerance and so much better components. And they t- they tend also to be a little bit higher fuel efficiency. Is that correct? They do. Um, it's it's kind of a double edged sword in a way, but for the most part, they you know, for example, like um, a Navistar T four forty four E, which is a seven point three liter um, that comes in like older Ford trucks. That's like what my truck has. Um, that's a four hundred forty four cubic inch engine. And it gets, like, mine with a tuner on it for economy gets, like, you know, if you're driving on the highway on and off, you get, like, 16 miles to the gallon, which is, like, not horrible. Right. And um, for, for a big, you know, eight 9,000-pound truck. And then um, if, you were to, if you were to use, like, a, like, let's say a Chevy 454, uh, which is a gasoline engine, it's 454 cubic inches, really, really close. It's a 10, 10 cubic inch difference. And that's engine displacement. Like, that's how much capacity the pistons move yeah yeah gotcha um so if you're you know that would probably in the same application would get like maybe 10 miles to the gallon maybe 
So I guess what I'm tr- oh that's that's pretty significant. Ten Very to significant. sixteen, yeah. Okay. But the diesel engine is a lot. It's heavier. It, it, they're pretty close, but it's heavier. Gotcha. They're more expensive. They're more way more expensive to repair. I guess. Way more I guess I'm kind of trying to figure out like why a uh, why you would make diesel trucks like semi trucks rather than gasoline semi trucks because you know? they're a lot more fuel efficient. Okay, if you made gotcha. It, the diesel fuel has more energy in it. It's more like an oil. If you ever, if you ever right, try to like right, burn, right, yeah, it's more viscous and it, it'll burn yeah. for longer. It's more like an oil, yeah, right, yeah, and um, it will burn for longer. It's less volatile. Right. If you ever yeah. try to like set it on fire, you have to put it on like a paper towel so it's like a wick. Uh-huh. But it burns really hot and it burns for a lot longer. There's more energy in diesel, but it's harder to it's harder to make an engine ignite it properly without like killing itself. Um and because there's more energy, they're more fuel efficient. If you had gas engines in all of these like these semi trucks that are pulling loads down the highway all the time, mm-hmm. they would be getting like like a few miles to the gallon. Gotcha. Yeah. Rather than like you know, if they're if they're a diesel engine, they maybe get like I don't know what they get like ten. Um, I had no idea. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't know much about those. But if they were a gas engine, they would be just horrible. They would just they would just suck through fuel, really really bad because of how much how much less energy is in gasoline versus diesel. Huh. Fascinating. And yeah, and in, they're more expensive to produce. But if it's like if it's like a profiting machine, like where you're you're pulling loads, right? And, exactly. And you're yeah. paying off your truck in like a year. Um, then it's it's you know whatever it costs it's going to make sure. it last longer. So uh, next step is to make taxis that are diesel, so that way you know you you can get more out of your taxi service. Yeah. Well, there's a certain there's a certain um, diminishing return when you get into smaller vehicles. Oh, okay. Um, although like you know for example there's like the TDI um, Volkswagen vehicles. Yeah, like, right. Like there are there are Volkswagen bugs that have like a one point something liter or two liter diesel engine. Right. Yeah. And they're really expensive, and they're not much faster. Or I mean, they're really efficient. Sure. But they're not much more powerful than like a gasoline engine, and they're really expensive. And gasoline engines are a lot easier for the average guy to repair. Uh huh. There's um like there's gasoline engine techs, and there's like diesel engine techs. There's just a interesting lot, huh. a lot more that goes into diesels. Wow. But there are some cars that have a small diesel engine, but they're kind of like novelty almost. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It whole... seems like Volkswagen is the only company that really produces. Like small diesel, maybe other European yeah, companies as well. But. Em- emissions plays something into it. Hmm, gotcha. Um, that's why, like diesel trucks are getting cleaner and cleaner burning. Sure. And that's and they're adding more subsystems to the engine to make everything burn cleaner and mm-hmm. work. You know, not work better because a lot of times when you add those, there's more stuff to fail. Sure. And that's actually like a big Achilles heel um, with a lot of the newer stuff. But for the most part, you can build a gasoline engine really really cheap and make it last 300,000 miles. Um, you know, which a diesel engine would last a little bit longer maybe, but you can build them so much cheaper and they're pretty close with fuel economy. Gotcha. And that's kind of that's kind of the route they mostly take. Huh. Huh. Yeah. We could talk about this all day with me, but let's yeah. not. <laughs> sure. We talk about engines for so long. Right. Yeah. People start to like their eyes glaze over and they're like, "Uh, spark plug." <laughs> but but not on a diesel engine. No, <laughs> I saw a glow meme. Plug. I saw a me- yeah. They have glow plugs, or not all of them. Some of them have a, a grid heater, right. which uh like like Cummins. Oh, that's like one thing. Like International makes engines for Ford. Cummins makes diesels for Dodges, and uh like Duramax, which is Chevy. Those are actually made by Isuzu, in Japan. Oh really? Yep. Wait, didn't Isuzu be? 
become a different brand over I don't eventually, know. though? I couldn't tell you that. I'm trying to Azuzu, remember. Azuzu, I think, is still their own thing. And they're actually, they build really, really decent stuff. Some of their stuff is kind of, like, weird. I don't know much about them, other than they make Duramax engines. And uh, didn't they put a, a Cummins in a Nissan? The Nissan Titan. I think that one of the... I remember back in high school that was just coming out and like all of us, like all the guys in machine shop were like, oh, they're putting a Cummins and Nissan. And I had like a Nissan in high school. So I like the joke revolved around me. Oh, of course. And uh, oh, you did too, Cody. Yeah. You had the, you had the psychopathy. The old pathy. The pathy. Um, But yeah, they did that. And I think that it, I think that the, I don't know how it worked out. I don't know if they're still doing it. I couldn't tell you. They are not doing it uh, anymore as far as I know, or they, they had a, a uh, long period where they weren't putting a diesel in the in the Titan. Although gotcha. they they might be bringing it back. I don't know. Someone someone uh drop a comment on uh in our inbox. You can go to impairedupstairs.com and contact us. Let us know, please. I'm sure our viewers would just know that off the top of their heads. <laughs> they might. They might. You don't know. You never know until you ask. Exactly. Um but yeah, so um so so that's that's kind of cool. That's as much as I can. I mean, unless you want me to keep talking about diesel engines, I'll talk about it all day. Uh, but I was going to ask if you guys watch sports or are you into sports at all? Uh, I've never been really that much into sports. Like I've always participated in sports when I was younger. You know, I was always like a big, uh, like pretty athletic throughout like my entire childhood until. Basically until I got to college and I stopped being so active and now I'm trying to start working out again and it's really good. But um, yeah, so I, I guess I don't follow sports all that closely as more of a like a I prefer to be an, a participant rather than like a than a, uh, a observer. Couch, couch participant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tried to get into like, do you consider F1 sports? F1? Yeah. Like Formula One? Yeah, Formula One. Oh, yeah, I think that's what that means. But yeah, F1 is a, eh, it's like a motorsport. Right, yeah. So for a while there, I was kind of trying to follow F1. And then I, I don't know. There's, I find it really hard, I maybe just because of my lifestyle, I find it really hard to be able to um, dedicate like two or three hours like at the same time every week to watch a sport. Just like consuming... Know? A sport like like right know, yeah it doesn't really affect you who wins or loses but it's like ah yeah exactly watching it yeah and it can be really fun to follow but it's also i don't know it's i i think it's just because of my lifestyle and like well what am i doing this saturday well i don't know and uh i'm not gonna prioritize watching f1 over like going to see my girlfriend or um hanging out with my family you know so. going outside yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i'm the same way i not a big watcher of sports. I, uh, you know, I thought, hey, I'm into sports bikes. I'll try and get into MotoGP, and it's a lot of fun to watch. But I'm, I can't really get into it where I know all the racers' names and know who's, uh, who's on the leaderboards and everything like that. Do you ever watch uh, what is that called? Uh, the Isle of Man. Oh, oh man, dude. I love watching isle of man races they go through like entire towns on their rear wheel doing like a buck 20 those are intense there is no race out there more intense than the isle of man uh for for anyone who doesn't know it is um well it's it's a a motorcycle race located in the isle of man 
which is an island near Scotland. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I think Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing. <laughs> oh man! My Uh-oh. Irish ancestors all just rolled over in their Uh-oh. graves. Uh-oh. There, there were screams from. I, I can hear screams off in the Uh-oh. distance. Celtic, Uh-oh. Celtic, schmeltic. Buried on the back nine is my, <laughs> is my ancient Irish ancestor who's crying right now. But, right. Uh, I apologize. So, um, same thing though. And they're going through, like, through these towns, like you know, two lane, two lane roads. Um, Pulling, I I think the the average speed was something like 130 miles an hour. Oh gosh! Through towns, through corners or around corners, and across the countryside, and what an insane race! It's uh the deadliest race in the world. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's also including by a long shot. I think. R- oh yeah. That's also including all of the, like the previous races where they didn't have as good safety gear. They didn't right. have as all, all of the um, you know safety protocols and everything. But s- still, I I also think it's important to note that the roads aren't. It's not like a racetrack road. It's like a regular old highway, right? Or and sometimes like city right. road. You know, so these aren't roads that are made for motorcycles to be traveling on at 130 miles an hour they're just right you know. it's it's not like smooth it's like the rest of the year these are you know your normal downtown road right like people are just driving on it but it gets closed down once a year uh to have crazy bikes on yeah i find it interesting how they they manage you know there's probably a lot of a lot of people around there that are just farmers and they're like i don't want this damn race every year yeah, totally. There must be some good incentive to shut that shut that entire island down. Oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. There's probably a lot of revenue that comes in from that race too, you would think. Yeah. Spectators yeah. and you know. Yeah, that reminds me of when we went to Cody and I went to Poland for World Youth Day. And um we we visited the city of Krakow. Um and so that's a relatively large city in Poland. I think there's about a million people there. Um, but they anticipated a million people to be showing up for World Youth Day. And I know that a lot of, I, I heard at least, that a lot of the locals were like, ah, yeah, like, let's bounce. Right. Like, I don't want to be in the city oh, while yeah. they double the capacity of the city for, <laughs> right. uh, for was, all these, like, crazy Catholics to come in. This was, like, four and a half years ago. Right. And yeah. a, a lot of people would just take vacation. Uh, they, they bounce, yeah. There was that many people that would come into the city? Well, yeah, they were anticipating to have a, a, around a million visitors for World Youth Day that year. Wow. And I, I don't know what the I total it, numbers... I thought it was even more than that. Potentially, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. A lot of people... Just from, from different backgrounds for that one particular, not like a holiday, but it's a scheduled day of, like, visiting? Right. Well, so World Youth Day, it's actually more like World Youth Week, um, and it's just a giant catholic get together of like catholic young people um so it was a really and uh the city of krakow is already a really catholic city um like there's so that's the significance of krakow well kind of the the major significance of that city to the catholic faith is that that's where pope john paul ii um was from okay um and so like he is kind of he's one of the most beloved popes in Catholic uh, at least recent pope, 
popes. Um, and so he was declared a saint uh, within the last few years as well. Like normally it takes right. a really long time to become a saint. Um, and there's all sorts of requirements, but um, it, so he achieved sainthood relatively quickly after his death. And, um, and so, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of the significance of, yeah. and when we were there, it was, uh, uh, Pope Francis. So our current Pope here in 2021. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, we got to see him well, while we were there as well. I mean, he was kind of a little speck off in the distance, right? But, um, right. We, were we did get to see him giant field with it's know, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, over a million people in it. I don't. I don't know that there were a million people that actually showed up to the field to because, the field. yeah, because people, you know, just because you're there for the event that you didn't have, like, there were a lot of other things happening at the same time. Um, so, I'm sure the idea of being in a field, uh, spending the night, wasn't exactly appealing to right. everybody. Um, you, uh, crazy. You know how you, Ryan? I think last episode. We were talking about how um, maybe it was this, uh, precast. Actually, we were talking about uh, like things that happen that uh, like if like kismet, they're like really uh, kismet. It's like uh, like fate, like fate. Oh yeah, yeah, like things happening for a reason. Yeah. Okay. So. While we while we were in Krakow, out of you know a million people, I guess five hundred thousand, however many people were in this field, I saw a University of Washington flag. Wow! Oh wow! And I like, uh, I like, I was like, "Yo, go dogs!" You know, and uh, they were. It took them a while to like respond, and because they were confused, you know, like. They didn't expect it either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, You're in the middle of a field in Poland, like thousands and thousands of miles away from Seattle, where the University of Washington is, right? Um, and and there's people from like all different countries, right? Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like we met people from France, we met people from Argentina, um, uh, Spain, Spain. Uh, there were a bunch of Italians, Italians, yeah, yeah. Pom 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 pom. Did you say France already? Yeah, yep. Um, we met some lovely ladies from France. Yeah. Um, Josephine. If you're still out there, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, she's... I still remember you. <laughs> that chance, bud. Um, oh. Um, but anyway, yeah, like I, I, I was like, "Yo, like, go dogs!" And like, I was able to go over and talk to them for a little bit. Um, and. This was while I was attending the University of Washington, but before I had really gotten um, acquainted with like the Catholic community on campus. Yeah. And um, like a couple years later, I I re I had known this guy from the Newman Center, which is like the Catholic center at the University of Washington. And anyway. Yeah. Um, I had known him for a while and it took like a year or two of us like knowing each other to realize that we had met each other in Poland, like in the field. And it was like, it was a, it was a crazy realization. Like, whoa, 
we met in the middle of a random field in Poland and now like we're kind of reacquainted yeah. and we have like a similar social circle at the university of Washington. And it was a, that was wild. Like that was really bizarre, you know, that is very strange. And what are the chances, you know? Yeah. Like I ended up, I think it was, I was with, um, Derek. So that was the guy that I met and my friend Luciano, who I know from high school and it was just the three of us, and we were on our way to Derek's um, cabin on the on the sound. Um, and I just I got invited along, and we just got to talking, and we were talking, and we ended up uh, hitting on World Youth Day, and we were like, "Hey, I met the I I oh yeah, I met this group of people." It was like that. Yeah. Whoa, that's so strange. Yeah, it was wild. Like. That was you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we both had this realization like, whoa, huh, that is bizarre. You know, like if you don't believe in God already, it kind of, you know, like, man, it's just wild. Like we live in a, communities are a lot smaller than you think they are. Totally. So, Even with billions of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's strange how things work out. Yeah, it's weird. And like simple so like I wouldn't I wouldn't have necessarily known them either if they hadn't had the UW flag, you know? Like I could have been I could have been like within 600 feet of them. I was probably closer like 100 yards or so away from them. And I would have had no idea if they were that they were there without that symbol, the like the University yep. of Washington flag there. And so, you know, it it kind of makes you think as well like what who else was I like you know, just who else did I pass on my way that, like, I could have known back here? You know, it's just wild. Very wild. Yeah. Um, did you have any else? anything else to add about sports? I know we kind of went off there. Oh, no, that's good. Um, I'm glad that I'm glad that sports sports did that because sports doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, I do like motorsport stuff because that's kind of cool. But at the same time, I don't follow it really. Um same thing exactly what like what Brady said it's like I don't have I can't get like invested in all these different guys that race F1 or right, race yeah. like motocross or race um like sport bikes uh I just I I like watching it when it's on same with football um when our team when like Seahawks are winning it's like oh sweet like cool mm-hmm, I'll like mm-hmm. watch a few plays it's like, oh, they're doing good, or like, I think that they're doing good. I don't know much about football. Right. It's like, oh, they're moving the ball towards that direction. That's good. Um, but it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I do much rather being, I'm not really athletic, but I like being involved in sports more. Yeah. Because um, then it's more of a it's more of a rewarding thing. What I find crazy about football is um, how many people watch it. And like, if you ever heard, oh, yeah. you know, like, I remember like, uh, what year was that? I think that we were like a sophomore or something in high school and the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl for the oh, first time yeah, for the right. first time. That's right. And they won and they won and it was really cool. Um, you know, I remember they, people skipping school to go to Seattle for the parade. Really? Yeah. I think I remember that too. Yeah. People were like, they were like, ah, I'm cutting out and going to the parade in Seattle for, to watch. I don't, I don't know what really happened, but. And it's like the whole bandwagon thing. It's like, well, yeah, that's it's like. Oh, I didn't really care, but now that we're winning, it's like, oh yeah, go team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's crazy how um, it's just it's just a broadcasted thing on TV. But as soon as 
like I remember when the Seahawks went to when they won playoffs and actually were going to the Super Bowl, like people were outside like lighting off fireworks. Oh yeah. And it's like, wow, everyone's watching this at the same time and it's it's connecting all of yeah, us in this way. Community building. Yeah. Totally community building. And um it's all just like every but everyone's enjoying it in their own way in their own home. And, right, um, yeah. It's a cool thing. And um even though I don't really follow it, right. it's it's like it's it's a good thing for people. Right. Yeah. It's one thing that brings everyone together regardless of you know, race or creed or beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a positive thing, and if people can latch onto it, then then good. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the the one sport that I've gotten into the most has been uh, UFC. Okay, if, I have a theory on that. Go okay. ahead. Keep keep talking. Keep talking. If, a game theory. I mean, I, I, I won't. Want... You know, I I don't like. Um, I don't get the subscription and sit down for the weekend and watch it but if someone is watching ufc i will sit down and i will watch i will actually watch ufc really for it as long as i can i've never been into fighting that's to me that's that is one of the most fun one of the most fun sports really there's nothing more primal nothing more uh you know riveting in my in my opinion than you know two guys in a cage duking it out oh yeah okay so here's my theory i think that this this is something that the ufc does that other sports are kind of losing and that's trash talk okay Uh, i think that's huge for the sport of uh mma um and that's i think that's what's bringing a lot of people to uh the ultimate fighting championship and just mixed martial arts in general or you've got some like Especially now, where you've got somebody like Conor McGregor is a household name. Like he has made himself into a superstar, and that's just through his persona. Um, right, and he's also one of the most controversial fighters out there. Oh yeah, like t- super controversial. Everybody has a strong opinion on Conor McGregor, and and I it helps a little bit. That he's like the major fighter from Ireland, right? Like every right. It, it, the entire country of Ireland is rallying behind this man. But um, I think that like like look at as dumb it is, as dumb as it is. Look at Jake Paul. You know, like he he is he's one of the biggest fighters out there, and he's not even that great of a fighter. Yeah, he's not a fighter. Right, he's a YouTube right? personality, like, but he <laughs> has. He he has the personality. He has the trash talk, the controversy. Yeah. He he knows how to pull a crowd. Oh yeah, exactly. He knows how to pull a crowd, and so I think that that's what the UFC is kind of like, kind of has over all these other sports, where like you know you end up with like a little bit of controversy here and there. Um, but I think I think controversies that other sports get into is uh, it tends not to be contained within that sport. I see what you mean. You yeah. know, so like, like, again, don't really want to get into this, but NFL and Colin Kaepernick and like, right. th- that becomes political and right. people don't, it, it became, instead of being like one team versus the other, it's, it's like, uh, you know, one ideology party yeah. versus yeah. the other. And then that causes people not to watch it. Right. Whereas if it's one team versus the other, it's like if you're on this team, you're gonna watch it, and if you're on this team, you're gonna watch it. Right, exactly. 
Um, and so I think, I think that that's what UFC does really well, where it's, you know, completely like not politicized. Everybody, everybody has some controversy in there, but it's not, it, it's contained within UFC. Um, and once you hear about it, you're like, whoa, like, okay, like this guy, I, you can make, this gets, we were talking about this a little bit in the last episode, but like, where we judge people. And, um, I think that regardless of how you treat someone, you do make a snap judgment just based on hearing someone's words, seeing their face, you know, uh, seeing what they're wearing. Um, you make a snap judgment and especially with celebrities, it becomes really easy to make those judgments because they're kind of depersonalized. They're you know? like caricatures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> caricatures. You're right. They're playing something up that they're not really, but like, you know, it, it's almost it's almost like WWE, but it's real fighting. Right. Um, and so I think that that kind of drama is what gathers people to watch it. Like, like NASCAR, that used to be NASCAR's draw. Um, you had like a few very polarizing characters that everybody loved to hate or they loved to love. Um, and so people were like, oh man, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like, man, I got to see him win <laughs> or man, I like, I got to see him lose. Like, I can't wait till the day that he's gone, which rest in peace, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. Rip. Yeah. Um, 88. and again, that's something as well that the UFC has capitalized on is that danger aspect you know, like, like you can get messed up in UFC. Like you see people have some not like you guys ever watched that Anderson Silva fight versus Chris, Chris Weidman. Oh man. I could say I have both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Okay. So in what the, happens, uh, in the first fight, Chris Weidman, he like Anderson Silva is being really cocky and he's like, he's like taunting Chris Weidman and he's doing like a, like a chin, like thrust at him like he's like uh uh yeah, he uh pushes his face out towards him yeah yeah so so chris weidman he's like he has this all-american persona i think you know yeah I think so. um that's the that's what i just from outsider perspective i don't know a lot about ufc anyway he's got this all-american persona and he's like really calm and gathered and um he ends up like throwing a punch at anderson silva when he goes to like like thrust at you know like chin thrust he's like uh uh um and chris weidman catches him on the chin and knocks him out like cold oh yeah just mops well, the floor with him yeah. well yeah but it was really controversial because anderson silva's like the reigning champion and he's got this long history of being a great fighter right and so everyone's like all right all right they, like he's anderson still is still considered like chris weidman he got the belt but Anderson Silva is still considered like you know he's up there, so he gets a rematch, right? Like it almost wasn't a fair fight, even well, though even though it was right. Not that it wasn't a fair fight, but like it's customary to let the reigning champion like have have a rematch if you still think they're up there. Like everyone was like, all right, like he, you know, he it could have been a fluke, right? He caught him on the chin, like all right. Anderson Silva was being stupid, right? And let- he he. You know, he got shown up for it. In the next match, he won't do that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So in the next match, in the next match, something crazy happens, which I think that, not that this was a fluke, but it was wild what happened. So Anderson Silva, 
um, is going in for like low leg kicks, which has become kind of like, it's become a lot more to the forefront in UFC recently because right, so you're, you're trying to wear your opponent out. You're trying to, to get them to be slow on their feet. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're just, you're going for like low kicks. You're kicking them in the calves or something. And they're, it, it disables you to a large degree. You're like, man, like it's like a Charlie horse, right? Right. But to your calf. Okay. So Anderson Silva is going for those kicks and Chris Weidman catches that kick on his knee. He checks it. Yeah. He checks it. And the replay was horrifying. Basically, Anderson Silva's ankle, his uh, his whole shin bone wraps around Chris Weidman's leg. Oh, yeah, and he doesn't realize the wrong way. Like like his yeah. shin bone is in half. Oh man, yeah. And so, and he doesn't realize. And so then he goes, he's like, like kind of like flustered or whatever. And he goes back to step on it. And you just see like his leg is not oh, doing right things. No. His leg is not Structural doing right things. Structural integrity just yeah, yeah. gone. Drops to the ground. After Immediately that. like screaming. Um, so like, again, that's something that the UFC has that has been lost from other sports where it's like, dude, this is like wild right like you have the potential you don't see it every time but you have the potential to see something like totally crazy happen and you can be the first to see it and ufc is really smart where it's all pay-per-view and they're so good at scrubbing the internet of stuff like (laughs) it's absurd it kind of makes me mad a lot of the time but they like if something crazy happens you won't be able to find it on the internet without paying for it Almost guaranteed. Like, you can, like, maybe do some pirate bay stuff and find it, but, yeah, it's wild. It's wow. wild. See, I don't I don't have any interest in fighting sports, and I'm captivated right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's it's wild. And so that's what I think UFC does a lot better than, like, like NASCAR recently um, as well. Like, NASCAR used to be huge, and part of that was because you'd have cars, like, flying almost into the crowd where like they catch they catch air or something and they're going into the gate and they're like you know 10 feet in the air um and unfortunately that's really bad for the participants of the sport yeah you would think right i mean like (laughs) like dale earnhardt passed away we were talking about him he died on the track right sorry dale earnhardt jr um i think dale earnhardt senior maybe did as well i'm not sure I couldn't tell you. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so it's it's not really great for the participants, and I can see why NASCAR would move away from that because, like, really bad PR to have, like, your legend dying on the track. Um, but at the same time, it's like, like that element of danger. I think people... It's our that's, that's going to keep them watching. It's yeah. our caveman brain. It's the same with the Isle of Man. Who yeah. doesn't want to watch a race yeah, titled exactly. the most dangerous race mm-hmm. in the world? Absolutely. Right. It, I think it goes back to as much as we try and dissociate from our like uh, Coliseum days. Like I think if there was something that was a Coliseum, people would watch it. 
you know? Yeah. Like, people would still watch it. They'd Hunger be, Games. People would, yeah. in public, they would say, oh, this is disgusting. Like, I can't believe people are watching this. This is awful. And then they'd get home, and they'd, like, you know, get some Bitcoin that's, that and pay for re- it with That sounds Bitcoin. really interesting. I might want to yeah. check that out. I mean, not that I'm going to enjoy it, but I might want to, like, check it out. And it's it's almost impossible to ignore, right? Like Caveman it, brain, 100%, like yeah. what you said. You can't ignore it. Especially when it's when it's something that like is publicly acceptable, you know. Oh right, yeah. NASCAR is something that we can watch in the day. uh, Coliseum was something that people did on their pastime. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, weekend weekend out in town. And I'm I'm guilty of this as well. So like when I was in Spain, um, I was like Madrid. My like first day in Madrid, I was like. It was my only opportunity to see a bullfight. They have bullfights every Sunday. I think it's Sunday. Every Sunday in Madrid. And I was like, I I, I don't care if nobody's coming with me, but I have to see this bullfight. Like, I... When's your other opportunity? Why, exactly. Like, I'm never going to be able to see this again, most likely. Maybe. Maybe I'll go back to Spain someday. But, uh, you know, like, it's just something that again it's part of their culture and i was like being a farm boy i'm like well you know i've seen cows die and it's not the end of the world right um you know this is a little bit more done for it's kind of glorifying violence and whatnot but like it was that was a wild experience you know like that was that was really crazy yeah how could you say no to that if you're yeah exactly when in rome (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Went <laughs> in Madrid, yeah. <laughs> and there were there were, and I I am being completely serious when I say, I would have gone by myself if I had to. Like I don't do a lot of stuff by myself. I I'm like, mm, you know, like stuff happens when you're alone, and like it's scary to be alone and not in a group, especially when you're in a foreign country. But that was the one thing where I was like, look, if y'all don't go with me, I'm going by myself. But like. I th- it was something that I just felt like it was important to experience. In yeah, a way. this is something that could go extinct in the next sure. decade. Sure, yeah. Great point. Yeah. Uh, so why not watch it before it goes out? Yeah, you got it. So it was just, it was wild. Um, I don't know if you guys want to hear me talk about bullfighting at all, but uh, I'm happy to. <laughs> How did it go? It went really well. There was one... There was one uh, bullfighter who got kind of like knocked down, and he like he was having a rough go of it. But uh, I think there were three total, um, and the other two they did a really good job. And um, the like the audi- there's this interesting interaction between the audience and the bullfighters where. Um, after they go through their full routine um, and they kill the bull, um, which is, in- it's insane the way yeah. they do it. It's totally insane. Like, they coax the bull in and they do like a tiny little circle. And the bull is like basically rotating in this tiny little circle. And then they like go in and they they sh- they stab the sword like through their shoulder blades. And it goes like right through and pierces their heart 
pierces the bull's heart basically and it's like it's this really intense it's a really intense experience because you know you're witnessing something die um and you have sort of a connection with the animal and with the bullfighter and uh, and with the crowd around you because you're you're experiencing something that's so like out well at least as a you know random american um something that's out of the ordinary totally um and so so you have this kind of communal feeling like everybody has uh it's like a, it's like morning almost yeah yeah um and so then but then once it happens everybody's like everybody there's a duality of emotion there because you're like you feel this connection with the animal and if you watch you watch this bull and like it's been it's lived its whole life in anticipation of this one thing right and like this is the culmination of this animal's life um and you're seeing like this intense display of athleticism from the bull um where as well as all the participants and all the fighters yeah totally and the you got to give it up for the horses so there's these um yeah cuz they they ride on I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to picture it. I'm not super familiar with the whole thing, but they ri- the the fighters ride on horses. Um, there's there's other guys called picadors. Uh, wait, no, oh. no, no. Uh, no, those are sorry. I mixed that up. Um, maybe no. I I can't remember. Anyway, there's guys on the backs of horses, and they have like spears. Um, and they've trained these horses super well, and they've got these horses have uh like pads on them they're like padded armor basically okay um and the bulls will come up and they'll be like a- attacking the horses with their horns you know horns like into this armor and the horse just stands there like it's perfectly trained just to stand there it's wild it's wow. wild um and the 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 people riding the horses they have um spears and they'll push They'll like push the bull away and get it to like ignore them and go back towards the bullfighter. So they're just there, kind of like as hazers almost, to like keep the action going towards the bullfighter. Or at least that was my impression of it. Okay. Um, That's crazy. There's so many things going on at once. Yeah, and so there's different. There's also different stages of of the fight where you know you've seen like the cape and they've got the cape going and they're like. Uh, Toro, Toro, like that whole thing. <laughs> yes, like I'm familiar with that part of it. Yeah, um, but there's also there's also a portion where they have these little, um, like, like mini spears that have like a hook in them, and so um, as the bull will go by, they'll stick that little spear like in the back of the bull, um, and it sticks in there, and you you'll end up with like you know, five or so of these little, uh, they're like brightly colored. Um, they've got like pinks and purples on them. Um, and they're just sticking out of the back of the Like a little flag. Yeah, kind of, kind of, except for they're more, uh, they're more solid. It's like a, like a miniature spear covered in cloth or something, you know, kind of picking up what I'm putting down. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. 
Um, and so they'll, as the bull goes by, they'll stick that in the back of the bull. And the, the whole act is like, it's almost built on the endurance of this bull. And, um, then when the bull is finally like really tired out and like, you know, getting exhausted, that's when they finally like put the nail in the coffin or the, uh, the sword, sword in the, the shoulder, blade. shoulder, <laughs> shoulder blades. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, gnarly. I never knew it was that involved. Yeah, yeah. There's like really a whole lot of moving it. parts and little pieces to it that you don't necessarily know about. Yeah. It's crazy to watch in person. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was something that I, it, I had a moral dilemma. You know, I, but it was, I would think, yeah, yeah. It was like, well, is this is this something that I want to support? But I felt like I don't. Was there like a steep entry fee? It wasn't too expensive. I don't remember exactly how much. It, cost but probably the price of a bottle of water in spain oh my gosh water is so expensive don't get me started but really (laughs) don't get me started um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't outrageously expensive it wasn't like 100 euros or something as far as i recall um um yeah but a lot of moving parts and then the audience like depending on how well the bullfighter did the audience will um, like cheer and they'll get the bullfighter will get to keep a piece of the bull as kind of a reward. What do they keep? Um, I th- the tail is really common. Okay. Um, an ear is also common. Um, and depending, depending on how well you do, there's kind of like a sliding scale of like w- the piece of the bull that you get to keep. Interesting. Um, and then the those horses come back and they like will end up they'll tie rope to the bull and drag it out of the arena. Um and this isn't like it's not like a big stadium either. Like it's a relatively intimate uh arena, you know. It's yeah. Right. So. What do they do with the with the bull after do they harvest it for meat? I think that's the case. I think you're able to go buy meat from the Really? From the bull afterwards, but I as a spectator, I think so. That wasn't something that I really looked into because I didn't have anywhere to store it. I was in Madrid for like three days, you know. So. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I believe that's the case. Yeah. Well, then at least it's you know it's. I wouldn't think they would put it to waste. Right. Yeah. That's insane. That that reminds me a lot of like the topic of like hunting. Which um, we could go into, but maybe we'll save that for a future yeah, sure. future yeah, episode. Sure, yeah. yeah. Are you a big hunter, Ryan? Well, um, not to go into it, but like I'm just, I've I've killed a few deer, um, and that's pretty much it. My my dad is super super into hunting, and I you know, it's um it's a very primal thing. Yeah, and, and it, that's and, what I've heard. And it comes um like exactly what you said about you feel like a morning. Mm-hmm. Um, like like this, you feel like this feeling of connection to this animal, right? Yeah. Um, that you've harvested pretty much, um, and you've really, especially when you're hunting, um, unless you're like baiting or playing on easy mode. Yeah, that's um, uh, you're hiking for here, days but... and days. You're hiking like for most of the day, right? Um, yeah. Depending on how you do it, but the way that we would always do it, like over in um like northeastern Washington for whitetail, mm-hmm. um, you're spending tons and tons of your hours and like you're you're literally hiking all day and like blowing out your knees by the end of the day. Sure, yeah. Um trying to f- like you're in this animal's environment. Right, yeah. 
And, um, and if you can, you know, if, if you find one and it, and it all works out right, it's, it's an insane experience. Um, even with like rifles, because that's, you know, that's a modern technology. Sure. Yeah. Um, archery is a really big thing. I'm not really super into hunting, but I really, I appreciate what goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like, my dad's a huge, huge obsessed with hunting. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I've always, I've never been super, super crazy into it but I've always really appreciated it. And when I've gone out and done it with him, it's been like, it's like, wow, that's a really, it's, it's indescribable in a certain way. Um, because you are going out in this animals, like you're in this animal's environment. And if you can, if you can get the upper hand on it, um, you're, it's, it's a crazy thing. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is how they've been doing it for not millions of years, but thousands of years. Yeah. Um, with this exact animal of this exact bloodline, Mm-hmm. and um with these technologies and this is how they did it back then sure yeah and then you get like you know you get a harvest in the end um you you get this you get to like take this this animal it's it's a crazy thing and um i'm not like like i said i'm not like super into it into it um mainly because my time i i do other stuff with my time rather than spend like a week hunting sure right? or, like yeah. driving right. 8 hours across the state it's an investment it's, it's an investment it's totally yeah. an investment of time um, not so much money because you just have to have like a rifle and a tag mm-hmm. and orange and you can go yeah, out and, and you can right. go out and do it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's mostly an investment of time. And if you, I've always like, Oh, I'd rather, I'd rather be doing this with my time. But I feel like as I get older, I might get into it more. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, a big thing that like my dad has been talking about lately. Cause he's had, he had a surgery on his shoulder recently and um, he's like, you gotta, I remember seeing it on this, on this video that he was watching. It's like, um, you can always, you can usually always work longer, but having the health to go out and hunt and to go out and, and go through all these feats of, um, like agility and athleticism Mm -hmm. to go out and like, you're, you're, you're hiking all day, all day and not hiking trails. Like you're hiking up mountains sometimes, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you like, you'll ride a quad out to where you need to be and you'll wait. Um, but it's like, you got to do it while you, while you have the energy to, because you, you can always work more, Yeah. but yeah. to go out and to go out and do what you want to do. Um, you, you have limited time, your, your health gives you a limited time. So that's, maybe we'll go into that more yeah. Yeah. soon. I'd yeah, love I to talk about that next yeah. episode or so. Yeah. Cause we're like, um, this is a good one. Yeah. We're like, so. a, we're an hour 30 in. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're uh, ready to wrap it up there. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with this one. Yeah, this was good. Um, and with that, uh, check us plug, out. Plug the website. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. check us out. Impairedupstairs.com. Um, like I said last episode, you can email us at um, info at impairedupstairs.com, or you can uh, submit a uh, contact form on the contact us page of the website should be up and working. Um, if you, if you reach out through that and, um, it doesn't get through to us if you, if we don't respond within a couple days, um, it's probably just something weird happening with the website. We're still getting all the kinks worked out there. So, um, shoot us an email directly at info at impaired upstairs dot com hopefully we'll get all our socials up soon we're working on getting a logo um yes we are yeah and once we get a logo we should we're gonna try and go live on all your you know regular streaming services um 
uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, anything else you can think of. Um, yeah, so we're we're really looking forward to that, and we're also uh, actively looking for guests on the podcast. So if you have um, an interesting story to tell, if you're if you consider yourself an interesting person, we just might uh, want to have you on, and you know, just chill out with us, impaired and upstairs. Um, finally. Uh, if you have any suggestions for us, if you want to hear us talk about something, um, if you want to tell us how great we're doing, we're we're open eared. Um, yeah, and uh, when we're not working, we'll be here upstairs. Impaired. impaired.